Hey, are you glad you're here? Are you smiling tonight? Are you glad, you're glad to be in the house of God looking forward to this meeting? And you don't care if it goes to midnight? Amen? Suddenly the amens disappeared. Amen? Well, I'm glad to be here. I wish I was here for the whole thing, and especially that dinner. I love the dinners. Amen? And uh, I was sorry that I missed that, and, uh, but I think you've had a great conference. I really do. And I think God's going to do some wonderful things because I believe people want God to do wonderful things. I believe Freedom Baptist Church wants God to do wonderful things. You know, there's something I did not mention uh, last night when I presented Help Ministries. I need to mention this. These men that we bring in from these national countries, when they come to the pulpit and present their field, they'll, they'll start out by saying this. We want to thank the American Baptist churches for sending their missionaries to our land. We are the fruit of their labor. Isn't that good? And uh, that's so true. They wouldn't be doing what they're doing today if Baptist preachers or missionaries were not sent out of our churches to go to these different lands, who, by the way, sacrificed so much to go and gave up so much to do, go there. We had one young man here. Um, his uh, father was a headhunter. He came from a tribe up in northeast India. And uh, he was telling about that. He said uh, they hunted heads, and the more heads he had in the lodge, the greater your prestige in the village. And one day, an American Baptist preacher came to that village and preached the gospel, and people got saved, and they quit headhunting. I'm glad for that. And they quit headhunting, and uh, a grandson now is saved and serving the Lord full-time. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for inviting me, and thank you all for the great hospitality that you've shown me. For the dinners, food, man, I'll tell you what, that's just one thing I haven't adjusted to yet as a, as a missionary, is eating all this food and keeping the weight off. It is so very difficult to do that. I'll tell you, you know, I was so determined today just to have just, just a bowl of soup, that's it. But I didn't. I ordered some other stuff too, you know. And uh, you prayed for me. I'm serious about that. Because I used to be very, very, very slim. And I'm not anymore. That's why I got suspenders. <laughs> Anything I can't stand is preaching and my pants going down on me while I'm preaching. And, uh, you know, Brother Larry made fun of me. He made fun of me because I have suspenders and a belt. Yeah, hear him out there? I don't care what he thinks. My pants are going to stay up. And that's all there is about it. He can laugh all he wants. Speaking of Larry, by the way, you know, we need to hear the rest of the story that he told last night about coming to my house. I called Wildwood Baptist Church and asked for some missionaries to be sent to our church. We wanted to support some missionaries, and I had some money. And did you have anyone? They had Don Sturch. They had Ken. They sent Larry. <laughs> so, uh, so I was planning on being there. But in the meantime, from the time that I booked him to the time that he came, I had the opportunity to go to Mexico. And I thought, well, that's great. So while he's coming in, and, and uh, so I'll just go ahead and go, and, and uh, he'll understand because I know he loves missions. And he complained the whole time he was there. Well, anyways, uh, he was taken on for support without my even. I brought him before the church to take on for support. So I am a nice guy. <laughs> I really am. And over the years, Larry and I have had sweet fellowship. We've grown to love each other. I said grown to love each other. And uh, we've grown to love each other. And he, 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 I would have to say, he's probably my best friend. I'd even have to say, probably there's only two people that I trust in the world. 
That's myself and Larry. But sometimes I have my doubts about Larry. <laughs> Take your Bibles tonight, would you please, and turn with me to a few places. We'll put some markers here to kind of move along. And by the way, I don't always get to the verses that we mark. I'll just let the Lord lead tonight. But if you would turn to First Chronicles chapter 29 and put a marker in there, please. First Chronicles chapter 29 and put a marker in there. When you get to First Chronicles chapter 29, then I'd like you to turn, turn over to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And uh, so we got uh, 1 Chronicles 29, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And our text tonight is coming from 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, so if you turn to three places, turn back to 1 Kings. We'll stay there for just a little bit. And I want to read the account of Elijah telling that wicked King Ahab it's not going to rain for three years. That was a message from God. Amen? Uh, Ahab was a wicked, wicked king of the northern kingdom. He, pro- he led uh, Israel into, into more idolatry and abominations than any other king. He had a wicked wife too, Jezebel. Amen? And uh, so um, I want to read this to you, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 17. The Bible says, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to, unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there was, had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there, behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And so he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring unto me, and after that make for thee and for thy son." For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Father, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you so much for the time I've been able to spend with Pastor and just to renew our friendship. And 
for the years that we've known each other, uh, over the many years, and, and God to be with Larry, and then to meet this other missionary, Brother Matthews, and, and then to uh, meet the folks again, and, and uh, Lord, it's just been a great week. But Father, I'm not here to just have a great week. We're here to see you work in our hearts. Father, there's a need outside our, our doors tonight. Yes, it begins right in our community, but it's all around the world, wherever people are found. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know that this is your army tonight. Freedom Baptist Church is the army of God, just like every other of your churches, like this one. You've called us, you, you, you add to us, you us to go all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so tonight, Lord, I pray as we get into our final study of uh, this week, that, Lord, you would use it to prepare us for Sunday. Lord, if there's some here that have not yet determined your will, uh, for their uh, grace purpose giving, that, Lord, this might help them. If others have determined, I pray this might help them as well. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I asked Pastor if he had taught on the principles in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Uh, they are key principles for determining your mission offering. And he said he, a couple weeks ago he worked on 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I think we probably understand the context of those two chapters. Uh, there's a great famine that was going through Judea at that time, and uh, the churches were hurting. They were without food. And so uh, Paul was led by the Holy Spirit to call upon the churches in the other areas, Macedonia and Achaia, uh, to take an offering and, and to send it for the relief of the brethren churches. And uh, they responded well. Even the church of Corinth responded well as far as committing to what they would do. But the problem with the church at Corinth is that they didn't carry through with what they committed to do. And so these two chapters really are a, a little bit of a rebuke uh, and also a reminder of what they were to do by the example of the other churches that were not only saying they would do it, but were doing it, and trying to encourage that church uh, to be faithful to what they said they would do. And from these two chapters, we learn the principles of giving a mission offering that is pleasing to God. Now, we're here tonight to please God. We're not here to please me. We're not here to please the one sitting next to you. Uh, we're here to please God. And uh, because this is serious business, do you believe that if a person dies without the gospel, he goes to hell? Do you believe that hell is exactly the way the Lord Jesus described it in Luke chapter 16? Do you believe it's everlasting? Then, brethren, this is serious business tonight. And this is why you're here. And I've, I'm praying that you'll make a decision that will please the Lord and will reach souls for Christ. And by the way, I, I think I said it already. I, I, I don't know sometimes where I say it. But this comes with a guarantee. What you're doing this year, coming year, it comes with a guarantee. You know what the guarantee is? People are going to get saved. Yeah. They're going to get saved, folks. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And not only that, but there'll be a crown in heaven, a crown of rejoicing that you'll be able to cast at the feet of Jesus for all eternity. Boy, it's worth it. Amen? You all remember, and we were talking about that a little bit, Brother Matthews and I, tonight before we came in. And you know how that, uh, that uh, pyramid worked? You're on the top, and you got all these people under you, and you just got richer and richer and richer. Well, I want to tell you what. What we're doing tonight is more valuable than Amway because it goes this way. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And multitudes of people are going to get saved because of your obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's worth your investment. It's worth your investment. Now, before I get into 1 Kings, 
and I'm really going to watch my time. Uh, I like to watch time to see how it goes by. But um, uh, I want to give you just a couple of principles. Now, this may be as far as I get tonight. I'm really open to God as far as how, uh, how far to go with this message. And uh, this may be as far as I get tonight. I hope not, because I think I've got some other good things to say here from the Lord. But I want to go over two principles that are essential for you to know God's will concerning your, your uh, grace mission offering, grace purpose mission offering. So would you write, kind of uh, write this down? Um, you probably already know it. But number one, my grace purpose mission offering is given by the grace of God. Put that down. It's given by the grace of God. If you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that other marker, uh, look at that first verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do need to wit to the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The grace of God given to the churches of Macedonia. Drop down to verse 3. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Now, that word power simply means ability. My ability as a believer comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Your ability as a believer comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we read here, it says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. In other words, the churches in Macedonia gave an offering that was beyond their ability and I would add, no doubt, beyond their imagination, because they were a dirt-poor church. Dirt-poor church. You, are you poor church? This is a dirt-poor church. Amen? And they gave an offering that was beyond their imagination. Rather, they gave it by the grace of God. They gave it by the grace of God. And this is a foundational principle upon which all the other principles in these two chapters rest, and they will not work if we don't faithfully apply this principle every week. I give my offering by the grace of God. Now, we know what grace is. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But do we understand that grace is more than just God's favor? Grace is God's power by which to love Him and to live for Him. I want to tell you something. When you got saved, God equipped you. He put that Holy Spirit in your heart. Amen? And He's there to teach you. Amen? Everything you know about God tonight, you better thank the Holy Spirit for. He's your teacher. Amen? But wait a minute. There's many ministries of the Holy Spirit. And one of the other ministries is, He is your source of power by which to love God and by which to obey Him. Uh, keep your marker there. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with me. Let me show you this. This is so important. So important. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is talking about his labor among the brethren. And look at verse 10 with me. Just drop down there. Paul gave this testimony. Oh, listen, don't miss it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, he said this, But by the grace of God I am what I am. Who would say amen to that tonight? Amen. You are what you are by the grace of God. Boy, don't get over that. You ought to thank God every day for His grace. You ought to praise the Lord that you wake up with His grace, you go to bed with His grace, and even when you're sleeping, His grace is in your life. I, by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace, 
which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Now watch this, don't miss it. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. In other words, here's what Paul is saying. All that he has done and does and will do for God is done by the grace of God. It's done by the enabling power of God. Listen, my brethren, what God is calling you to do in this coming year, which you've done in the past years, uh, you need to understand, it's just God being allowed to work through you, and He'll do it if you'll yield to Him. You see, you're, what God is looking for you is availability. That's all He's looking for you. He will give the ability. Paul gave the obedience. God gave the ability. And God's grace was given to each of us the day we got saved by His Holy Spirit to enable us to obey Him and live for Him. So His grace is His power by which to do what God's calling you to do. And uh, we tap into that power by faith. Now, uh, keep, uh, we can leave uh, 1 Corinthians. Go to Romans chapter 5. We tap into that power by faith. Okay? How, do I, how do I get the power of God? By faith. That's how you get it. You acknowledge, you rec- reckon it is there. You reach out and you do, claiming His power by which to do it. You know, there's times I get knocking on doors, and I don't know about you, uh, everyone is saved down south. Until yeah. you talk to them a little bit. And most of them are lost. And I'll tell you what, it gets hard knocking on doors. It's no different down there than it is up in New York. The only difference between New York and down there is that New Yorkers tell you what they're thinking. The others tell you what they think you want to hear yeah. down south. And I'll get to some doors, and I'll tell you, I get discouraged, and I, I say, oh, I hope they're not home. You know, I'm tired getting the responses. Like but then I remember, wait a minute, I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm doing it by the grace of God. Oh, God, uh, fill me with your words. Give me your strength. Give me your power. And every time I've done that, God has given me his words, his strength, and his power. Because that's the way God wants you to live. He doesn't want you to live by your strength, you weakling person, you. You can't, listen, listen, you couldn't save yourself. What makes you think you're strong enough to even keep yourself saved? We know we, are, we aren't, amen. But what makes you think you're strong enough even to live for God as a believer? You're not. That's why the Holy Spirit's there. That's why His grace is there. And we tap into it by faith. Look at verse 1 with me. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace. What's God's grace? God's enabling power by which to love Him and live for Him. How do I tap into that grace? I have access. This grace that saved me is within me to enable me to live for Him. How do, I, how, do I, how, do I, how do I link up to that? By faith. Trust it to be so. Reckon it to be so. Trust it to be so. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, the enabling power of God. That's what that grace is, wherein we stand. And that's a present tense, by the way. That's today. That's now. And we claim His power by faith. So by the grace of God, we are to love Him and live for Him in all things, that includes the husband, amen. That includes the wife, being a good wife. 
That includes the children, being good children. Amen? Uh, school. Uh, listen, uh, I'm fully equipped to do what God wants me to do. All right? By God's grace, I'm to give my tithe and offering to God every week. By faith, I provide the availability and God provides the ability. By faith, I provide the obedience and God provides the tithe and the offering. By faith, I provide faithfulness and God supplies my needs as I am faithful. You are the faith of your grace, purpose, mission giving. And God is the power to enable you and provide for you and care for you as you give that mission offering. And that is a promise of God. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that my God gives promises. Because He doesn't break His word. I'll be frank with you, I've let people down. I know I have. I'm sorry for that. But don't, don't get too judgmental. So have you. You are no different than I am. But aren't you glad there's a God in heaven who's in your heart tonight, and when he says you'll do something, you can bank on it. He will do it. And God's power is in your life by which to live for the Lord. God's power is in your life by which to do what God's going to show you to do this week. Now, if he's already shown you, amen. If he's not, I'm telling you, I think I said it last night, last night or one, one of the nights, I don't know, sometime. Maybe it wasn't here. I don't know. Where am I anyways? Anyway, so uh, uh, I don't know. Here's what I'm trying to say. He'll show you because this is his business. Now, quickly. Well, I can see I may not get very far tonight, but I'm just going to let God lead. Go over to chapter 9 look at verse 6. Paul said, But this I say, he who sold sparingly shall reap also sparingly. You're going to be sparingly in this mission's offering? Then you'll reap sparingly. And I'll be quite frank with you, it won't be, much, it won't be joy with you. You know, there, there's joy in serving Jesus. There is joy in doing for God and seeing God work in your life. All right? But he which soweth bondly shall reap also bondly. Every man, according to his purpose in his heart, shall him give, not grudging over necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As you faithfully give your grace, promise, mission offering, God blesses your obedience with His grace to abound in every good work. God's serious about this. God's serious about giving. Amen. Verse 9, As is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His night righteousness remaineth forever. Now that's you. That's what you're doing. That's your obedience. Uh, you, that's you and, and, your, and your grace, purpose, mission offering. Uh, you give, you disperse abroad, uh, your righteousness remains forever. I like that. In other words, people will be getting saved and that righteousness will be passed on to others and, and your righteousness will just continue by those who are getting saved. I mean, man, what a great investment this is. Amen. It just goes on and on and on and on. Amen. But wait a minute. We're not done yet. Look at verse, uh, verse 10. Because verse 10 tells you how you're able to give your offering. Now he that ministered seed of the sower, both ministered bread for your food, and multiplied your seed sown, and increases the fruit of your righteousness. You know who he is? He is God. He's the one that provides that seed that you give. He's the one that puts food on your table. Brethren, listen, it's not your job. Praise God for your job. That's God's provision. That's not the people you work for. He worked in their hearts to give you that job. When you open that refrigerator up, that's not a result of, man, your, your salary. That's a result of God through your salary putting that food in that refrigerator. 
And then uh, he increases, or his, he increases the fruit of your righteousness. In other words, I believe that soul's getting saved. Amen. Because that's the fruit of a Christian. All right. So, number two, get this. Number one is my grace, uh, purpose, mission offerings given by the grace of God. I, maybe I'm repeating myself. I don't know. Repeating what you've already heard, but evidently God wants you to hear it again. But number two, boy, it gets more exciting yet. <laughs> My grace, purpose, mission offering is given out of the wealth of God. It's given out of the riches of God. It doesn't come out of your pocket. It comes out of God's pocket. Because everything you are and everything you have belongs to God. Amen? Would you agree with that? I mean, we talk that way at times, don't we? 1 Corinthians, uh, what's that verse? 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God and your body and your soul, which are God's. But I want to show you something. Go with me to First Chronicles chapter uh, 29. <laughs> and uh, in this chapter here, to me it's one of the most exciting chapters of the Bible when it comes to what God's calling us to do here tonight. Don't miss it. Uh, David wanted to build that temple for God, but God said, no, you're a man of war. You're a bloody man. Your son's going to build it, Solomon. So David did the next best thing. You know what he did? He got ready for it. He called upon Israel to bring the offerings, to get all the material together so that when Solomon took the throne and was ready to build that temple, all they had to do was pull it from the stockpile, amen, and build. Now watch this. It's exciting. Here we go. Verse 10. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. How many would say amen to this? He is the owner of the universe. He spoke it to Enzixus existence and it still belongs to him he's turned it over to no one amen and uh, he's the owner of everything in it who say amen to that okay let's read on verse 12 both riches and honor come of thee and thou reignest over all and in thy hand don't miss this is power and might and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all in thy hand listen brother you're in god's hand tonight you're in God's hand. God wants to do something tonight. Amen. All right, let's read on. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Uh, based on his ownership, based on his power, David says, we praise thy glorious name. Now watch verse 14. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. In other words, he provided what they gave. He provided. It came from him. And your tie and grace, purpose, mission offering comes from the riches of God that he has placed in your care. He provides, he provides what you give. Do you hear me? He provides it. Well, I have to provide it. No? No? Listen, why do you have a job tonight? 
Why do you have that job? Why do you have that house? I'll tell you why. God gave that to you. Uh Uh-huh. It's His. Listen, if He's given you everything that you have and everything that you are, then doesn't it make sense? Whatever you give to this mission is from God. He's the provider of it. Amen. But there's a little bit more here. Let's read the next verse. And um, uh, let's go down to verse 15. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow. You know what that means? It goes fast. You know, when I saw, when I saw Pastor and your pastor, and when I saw Larry, I couldn't amaze. I was amazed at how older they looked. I mean, I remember them much younger. I don't know. It, it, time goes fast. Amen? We're not here for very long. And uh, he goes on here and says, uh, and there is none abiding. In other words, you're not going to be here forever. By the way, I'm glad for that. <laughs> Amen? All righty. O Lord our God, all the store that we have prepared to build thee a house for thine holy name cometh of thy hand. He's the ability. He's a provider. And all is thine own. It was God giving through them. Have you yet learned that God owns you? You have. And that through him. And Second uh, Corinthians 8 9, so I'll go back to real quick. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. I'm not teaching a prosperity Christianity here. I'm teaching a purpose Christianity. I'm teaching that God has okay, given you what you have to invest, to reach every creature with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Purposed Christianity. Grace, purpose, mission, giving. It's a purpose. Amen. And uh, there's just some great stuff here, isn't it? So, you know... We've got to remember that. It's just God, it's God working through you. And you give the obedience, He gives the ability. You give the obedience, He'll give the offering through you. Amen? Are you following me tonight? Now, there's some great principles, and I'm not going to take any more time to go over them. Um, here, I just want to give to you, let me check my time here. Oh, it's okay. Um, so, yes, ooh. Okay, so let me give you this. After 40 years of being involved in grace purpose giving, and I'm still learning, by the way, and if you ever think you've arrived, you have not arrived. Someone needs to be very frank with you and tell you that you haven't. But here's what I see it being. Giving a specific, sacrificial, abundant offering for worldwide missions above the tithe, amen? The tithe belongs in the church. Every week, now for some it may be bi-weekly based on your pay or whatever, out of what I have, and by the way, you need God to help you with that because we're still stingy people. We're still selfish people. Amen? Out of what I have through my church for one year or whenever the next missions conference is, by faith in God and His promise to enable me and care for me and provide for me as I do it. And I am not, I'm not bragging, I'm praising but God has been faithful to His Word. All the years I've been involved in faith, promise, giving, grace, purpose, giving, whatever you want to call it, God has been faithful. He's done it. But I must tell you, it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge. 
<laughs> it really has. There's been some struggles along the way. Uh, there's been some heartaches along the way. There's been some trials along the way. And I'll tell you what, uh, there's been some temptations along the way. So what I want to close out tonight is verse uh, 10 of 2 Corinthians 8. And here I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to before a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. When God shows you what he wants you to do, by his grace, he'll provide, you just give the obedience. When he shows you what he wants you to do, <laughs> uh, by the way, that's God and who um, is not slack concerning his promise, but long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but to come to repentance. When God shows you what to do, then do it. Now, here's my question. How do I perform the doing of it? How do I stay faithful? There is a requirement on your part. You've got to give the obedience. You've got to give the faithfulness. That is, you're giving it. How do I do that? How do I keep at it? Quickly, two thoughts and I'll be done. The first thought is this. Be on guard for your enemies. There's enemies in what you're doing here this week. Now, I can't see them, but I guarantee you, he may not be around, but I guarantee you, Maybe in your home or going home, I guarantee you the devil's fallen angels are around. Yes. And I'm glad I can't see them. I'd be running. But, um, you know, in some of these third world countries, they deal with that stuff. Man alive. I'll tell you what, I'm glad of America. But the devil works just as strongly here, just different ways. But the devil hates what you're doing, my friend. Because right. he knows that's going to deprive him of souls in hell for all eternity. And so he's going to work on you, brother. And you know, here's the amazing thing about it. God's going to let him do it. To prove the sincerity of your love. Yes. And to prove your faithfulness. He's not going to let... He, whatever, listen, whatever God allows to come into your life, understand that uh, God does not allow that to see what you would do. He's allowed it to show what he will do through you. You see, this is not a matter of a testing time for us. We're on the winning side. We're on the Lord's side. He's my strength. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. But he's gonna, the devil's going to attack you. And uh, he's going to, he's gonna, uh, uh, God's going to allow him, not only the devil, but this world we live in. Huh? You know, one of the first verses I learned was 1 John 2, 15. I'm, I'm not sure I can even quote it tonight. Um, I, I think I got right here. Let's see if I can find it. First John. Yeah. Love not the world. How many of you remember that verse? When's the last time you read it? Love not the world. Neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That's what we're living in right now. And I'll tell you what, it feeds our lust. It stirs it up. It distracts us. And uh, the world passed away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And uh, so there's so many distractions, so many temptations around us every day to tempt us not faithfully give our missions offering. And by the way, let me tell you this, there's some good deals out there. There really is. Buy now, pay later. 
man, I saw an advertisement down south you can buy now and you don't have to pay till 2025. Wow. By then I could be dead and they'd never get it. You know? Amen. By then the Lord could come back. Huh? The, the world. Don't you think you're so strong because you aren't. He's strong, but you're not. And by the way, can I give you a third enemy? I'm looking at you. And you're looking at me. I'm my greatest enemy. I like what D.L. Moody said. He said, the one that gives me the most trouble in my life is me. Man, we like to blame a lot of things on the devil. When you come right down to it, it's just us. And we've just got that old nature in us still that does not like what we're doing tonight. For after all, we could use that in something else. It'd be a whole lot more fun, we think. And uh, so we work with the world, we work with the devil. Be on guard for your enemies. They're coming after you. But greater is he that is in you than yourself, than he that is in this world. You're on the victor's side. So be on guard. Then number two, give your grace, purpose, mission, offering by conviction. Put that down. How am I going to stay faithful? How am I going to perform the doing of it? You give it by conviction. Now, by conviction, I don't mean one found guilty of a crime. Rather, I mean a firmly held belief that I will not change regardless of what comes my way. A firmly held belief that I will not change regardless of what comes my way. I'm talking about Bible conviction. By conviction, I give my offering every week, trusting God's promise to enable me and provide for me and care for me as I do it. Larry was there at one of my mission conferences. I had a man come in to do it. And uh, I know he was there because he couldn't wait to get home and tell me what the guy said. I heard it for myself. He said this, now you just pray and you turn what God wants you to give and, and, uh, and uh, you just say, okay, and if he gives it, you, get, you give it. No, this is not an if business. This is a you do it. Regardless, you give it. Amen? But here's the exciting thing, do it. As you give by faith, God opens your faith and you see how he takes care of you while you're doing it. And then the next week comes and you've got to give it by faith again. And you put that in the offering plate. And then God opens up that week for you to see how He takes care of you as you did that by faith. And then the next week comes and you're back to the faith again and you put it in there. And then that week God manifests Himself to you again how He takes care of you as you're doing that. As you do it, that's mission giving. That's grace purpose giving. I am purpose to give this offering. And nothing is going to get in my way. That's conviction. Now, there's three parts to Bible conviction. I'll try to make this quick. Number one, a commitment to Scripture as my authority for what I believe and do. I don't know what I do without this book. I'm so glad I believe this is the inspired, preserved Word of God in my hands tonight. I'm so glad I don't believe all those other books are, are, are the Bible. Huh? I'd be such a confused person tonight if all those other translations was the Word of God. This is the Word of God. It's right here, not down here, where I determine what it says. Here, I can trust this book. It's true to its Word. He'll be faithful to what He has promised. Thank God you know this is the Word of God tonight in this church. He's your authority for what you do. I trust you here tonight by His authority. And then it's a commitment to a specific command taught in the Scriptures. And then it's the courage to practice the command by faith in God's Word, regardless of what gets in my way. Let me get that again. 
a commitment to Scripture as my authority for what I believe and do, a commitment to a specific command taught in the Scriptures, and the courage to practice the command by faith in God's Word and grace, regardless of what gets in my way. That's biblical conviction. That's biblical conviction. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures given by, help me, inspiration of God is proper for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, correction for instruction to righteousness, that the man of God may be what? Perfect. What's the next word? Thoroughly. Yeah, not thoroughly, thoroughly. Yes. Amen. So, I need this book, but that word doctrine, you know what that means? Yes, I know what that means. That means what you believe. It's more than that. It's what you do because of what you believe. That's conviction. That's conviction. But let me just show you a better definition. I love Bible definitions of uh, words. Go over to uh, uh, Daniel chapter 3. Did I tell you to turn there? I don't think I did. Well, that'll take a minute. All right. It's in there, I guarantee you. Turn over to Daniel chapter 3. And I know I'm going to read a familiar story to you. King Nebuchadnezzar made that golden image, remember that? And uh, he made a command that when the music sounds, you're to bow to it. Remember that? But there's three Hebrews that would not bow down. Now, I don't know where, I don't know where Daniel was. Evidently, he wasn't around. He wouldn't have bowed either. But he must not have been in town. I don't know where he went to. But these three were, and they were valuable counselors to that king, by the way. He was very impressed with them. They gave him good counsel. And uh, so a report got back to the king that these three did not bow. Look at verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the coronet, the flute, the harp, the sackcloth, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But... If you worship not, we should be cast in the same hour in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's answer. Verse 16. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. That, you know what that means? We don't have to think about our answer. We already got it ready for you. And here's what the answer is. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace... And he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. Isn't that good? That's Bible conviction. But wait a minute. You've got to add one more part to it. Go to the next verse. But if not, if he was not to do that. Now, they already said he's going to do it. But if he didn't do it, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. That's Bible conviction. Now listen, God's promises take care of you. And God doesn't break His word. But here's the Bible conviction. It don't matter what God does. I am going to stay true to what God's called me to do. Amen? Now He's going to take care of you. But we've got to understand what the Bible conviction is. That really is not the issue. The issue is, this is what God's called me to do. And I'm going to do it regardless of what gets in my way or regardless of what comes my way. I'm going to be faithful to give my offering. Amen. I like that. Do you have convictions in your life? A commitment to Scripture as your authority for what you believe and do? A commitment to a specific belief and command taught in the Bible? 
courage to practice that command by faith in God's Word and grace regardless of what comes your way. Do you have convictions in your life tonight? Are you committed to obey the Lord and give your offering week by week or whenever you give it by conviction no matter what comes your way or gets in the way? I hate to say it, but the average Christian in our day lives for God by convenience rather than conviction. I'll do for God if it's convenient, if I can afford it, if I have time, if I'm not too busy, if I don't have other plans, if it doesn't interfere with, uh, with what I want to do, if nothing gets in the way, if I don't have family plans for, after all, family first, if it does not interfere with my family time. <laughs> Here's some of the things I get over the years. If I do not have another commitment, I'll do it. If something better doesn't come my way, I'll come to the church meeting if something more important does not get in my way. And the list goes on. And what we once were calling convictions in our churches are now called legalism. We're nothing more but a bunch of legalists. I don't know about you, but, you know, when I got saved, it bothered me when I wasn't in church. I had a conviction about that. God put a conviction in my heart for that. Uh, Liquor and wine and beer. I couldn't keep drinking it. It bothered me. I was the Holy Spirit's in here. It did, he didn't like it. And therefore, I didn't like it. I'm against alcohol. I'm against the liquor business. I'm against the wine business. You have, I'm against beer. You've got to drink five cans before you like it. Who wants to do something like that? But God took out my life. Cursing. He cleaned my mouth up. Tobacco. And I know these are issues that, um, oh, come on, preacher, the, there's other issues today. Yeah, there is. I agree with that. Dress. Oh, it concerns me how God's people come to church. Really does. You'd think they came from a ball game. Listen, when the priest went into the temple, he had to change his garments. We're coming to worship God as a corporate body of believers. Worship Him. Man, I have people down south come to church in shorts. My blood boils. I have to, you know, I, I have trouble with that. Uh, rock music. Getting into our churches today. God took that out of my life. That's what I came out of. Holy living. You talked about it a little bit tonight. Holy living. Revival meetings have shrunk from two to three weeks to just a weekend or a Sunday for convenience sake. And many churches' Sunday evening services are being canceled. I've been around, I know. And so has a Wednesday midweek service. It's now a group study time where we break up in our little groups and we have discussions. I'd like to discuss some things, but let me do the talking. Now children's sports have taken priority over church attendance so that we don't warp little Johnny's mind about God. You know, we don't want to deprive John. He could be the next big famous baseball player. And we put the world before God. And those who have convictions, we call them nothing more but legalists. You know what a legalist is? He's one who says you've got to do something to get saved. Like those Pharisees back in the book of Acts that said, except to be circumcised, you cannot be saved. That's legalism. Amen? Do you have convictions tonight? Will you give your faith promise mission offering with conviction? I had, you know, one of the saddest things for a preacher, and one of the saddest things for a preacher 
is, uh, is to see his people fall away from the Lord. And, uh, when I moved down to Georgia, good old Facebook, and there was one certain young man that I put a lot of time in, and he put on his Facebook one day, I'm free! I'm no longer shackled. I can do what I want. You know what he's saying? Convictions are legalism. And I'm not going to do them. I'm going to do what I want to do. Could I encourage you tonight, if you want to see an exciting God, and I think you have in this church, don't get me wrong, but if you want to see more of an exciting God, then you just give your faith promise, your, uh, your faith promise, your, your grace, purpose, mission offering, you give it by conviction. Amen. Quickly, 1 Kings, and I'll be done. 1 Kings, look at it with me. 1 Kings. Here is an example of giving by conviction. All right? Here's an example. And I'll, be done. I'll just go real quick. All right? Let's see. I've got to get my notes here. Here we go. Uh, drop down to, uh, let's see here. We'll save a little time. Okay, I think we'll save time. Go down to uh, verse 11. I won't give you the background of the text. How many of you know the background? Put your hand up. It will save us at least five minutes. One hand. First Kings 17, where we started. How many of you know about King Ahab? And, and you know, amen, you saved yourself some time. Okay, now look at verse, uh, let's see, look at verse um, 8. The brook has dried up. The ravens are quick coming. And then the Lord sent uh, Elijah to Zarephath, to a widow woman. By the way, uh, look at verse 8. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Rise, get thee to Zarephath, which, I, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, I know this is a voluntary offering. It's not like the tithe, 10%. It's between you and God, and it varies from one person to the next. But it also is a commanded offering in the sense that this is your means of going into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, you also ought to be ready to surrender to God. He may call you to go. Yes. He calls people out of his churches to go to other places. All right? Okay, so here's here what we see here. Uh, this woman was commanded to take care of the man of God. Okay, now look at verse eight, uh, 10. So she arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, now let me stop there, Remember, the Lord commanded the widow woman to care for the man of God before he showed up. I don't know how she knew him or recognized him. Perhaps God just impressed her heart. There's the man you're supposed to take care of. And what did she do? She immediately obeyed the Lord's command and went and fetched a vessel of water for him because that was the man whom God commanded to take care of. Look at verse 11. Notice what she said to her, he said to her when she went. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. Now, she knew that the Lord had commanded her to take care of this man of God, but she had a problem. The cupboards were bare. Right? Look at verse 12. She stopped. I can see her stopping and turning around and looking at him. As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in the barrel, and a little oil in the cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Times were tough. And she had just enough food to make one more meal for herself and her son, and then die. What a gloomy situation. And she didn't have enough food for the man of God. 
And look at the prophet's response. 13, and Elijah said to her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. You take care of me first, and then you can go ahead and make your meal. And bring him to me, and after, make for thee and for thy son. What a response from a man of God. Where's his compassion? Amen? What a terrible thing to tell that poor woman that had just enough food for her son and herself. Take care of me first. Because that's what God commanded. Then he said this, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise oil fail until the day that the Lord sent rain upon the earth. It was testing time. What will she do? Will she obey the Lord's command and take care of the man of God, trusting God to take care of her and her son, or will she feed her son and praise God she fed her son, or she, she took care of the man of God, and God fed her and her son? But my question to you tonight in closing, what would you have done? I mean, this is a real situation. And not only do I ask you that, uh, uh, what would you have done, but, you know, there's going to be some things coming your way. It may be uh, an unexpected uh, medical bill. It may be the cupboards are bare. It may be you'll lose your job. I don't know. But I know this. God will take care of you as long as you are faithful to do what He's called you to do. Hey, listen, He owns this world. And He knows you by name. He knows your every need. And we just got to stay faithful like that woman did. And boy, uh, God was true to his word. The, the, the meal did not fail, nor the cruise in the oil. And uh, she and her son were, were fed as she took care of the man of God. So listen, as you give your faith pur- purpose mission offering, there's going to come some testing times. Maybe no food. Maybe little food. Maybe an unexpected house expense. Maybe a Maybe a vet bill. Got to throw those in there now. Everyone's you know, got pets. It costs money to have a pet. Maybe it's a medical emergency. Maybe a hospital stay. And you'll be tempted to think that you cannot afford to give your mission offering. Just remember the widow woman. She chose to trust God's word. God's word told her to do what she did. God's word is teaching us to do what we're doing here. Just trust God. I mean, wait a minute. This is a God in whom all things are possible. This is a God that we read the other night. Nothing should be impossible unto you because nothing's impossible to God. Just trust God. Remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, regardless of what came their way, didn't matter. They're still going to not bow down. And remember God's promise in Philippians 4.19 that, by the way, is conditioned upon the faithfulness of the Philippian church sending an offering to Paul my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Father, thank you so much for our study tonight. Lord, I am so thankful that we have the Word of God. I would not dare to preach or even suggest what I've preached tonight if it weren't for the Word of God. I thank you for the examples of the men of faith, the women of faith in the Old Testament, how they took you at your word and obeyed you, and saw you do great and marvelous things. Father, the greatest miracle I believe today is another sinner coming to the Savior. What a great miracle. But Lord, you have promised in your word that you will take care of us. You'll enable us. You'll provide for us. 
as we are giving our mission offering by conviction and not by convenience. Help us, dear Lord, when those hard times come to remember the widow woman, to remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to remember the promise of Philippians 4.19, and by faith put that offering in the plate and then see our faith become sight throughout the week as our Lord takes care of his own. And I ask these things in Christ. Amen. Amen.